Welcome, everyone. We're about to begin Be'ez Hashem, BPJ number 29. That's Bayez Primi, um, Shear number 29 for both men and women. Uh, we are talking about the eight dates of essential conversations uh, for a lifetime of love by John Gottman and Julie Gottman and Doug Abrams and Rachel Abrams. And by utilizing these eight specific types of dates between a husband and a wife, transforms marriage, keeps it alive, keeps it thriving, and heals marriages. We ended up, before we start with the first concept of the date number one concept, we're going to talk about the art of listening, because last year we talked about the four skills of intimate conversation, we put out a PDF and we explained it, of how to converse, how to talk to your husband or your wife during these dates. The other important half which is all important, is the, is the listening, the art of listening. Listening in a special kind of listening, where you're trying to listen without, without judgment, without defensiveness, without trying to rebut or anything, just simply listening to understand. It's an accepting form of listening. It is not a passive thing. You know, you, when you see two people talking, and one is talking and the other one is listening, you look externally like the one who is listening is passive. But listening is an action. It's an active act. You're committed to it, and you have to get outside of your own head. You don't think about other thoughts that are in your head. You put that aside. You don't have other distractions. You just want to listen actively to the voice of the one you love, your husband or wife, who is communicating to you. So the keys to listening, the art of listening, is number one, is to be attentive. And how do you be attentive? You put away your smartphone, you put away your computer, you put away your other gadgets, you you turn them off, silence them, and you show genuine interest and curiosity to what your husband or wife is saying, it's telling you, you lean forward, you make eye contact, and you don't interrupt. And you be present. It's about, it's not about um, pressing a pause button It's being present to the listener, meaning don't assume you know what your husband or wife will say next while they're they're talking. Don't think about what you will say next because you want to respond as a rebuttal. Just simply listen. It is an art to learn how to listen. And then if you don't understand something as your wife or husband is talking to you, ask questions Let's say you had a question on what they were saying. Okay, so one thing I didn't understand is this and this. And then after you ask that question, go on listening to the answers that your husband and wife is telling you. It's open-ended questions, we said before, that opens the heart. And you sometimes, such as open-ended means like, can you tell me more about it? Is there a story or memory related to what you're saying? It's a conversation. Uh, if you ask direct closed questions, it sounds like interrogation. If you ask open-ended questions, can you tell me more about it, opening up, that's a conversation. And you tune into how they're feeling. Don't minimize how your husband or wife is feeling by dismissing it or trying to fix it. And you don't have to make them feel better. This is not the purpose of these dates. You don't have to make them feel better or cheer them up right now. Your goal right now is to listen and try to understand and to empathize. Witnessing is a big part of it. What does witnessing mean? Witnessing means that you're listening and you're expressing the fact that you're listening 
because I am with you. You are not alone. I am here for you. And the way you do this sometimes is, is if your husband or wife is talking to you and you're listening, then what you do is you respond back in your own words what your husband or wife is saying. That's the way you communicate validation. So, for example, he gives an example. Let's say your husband or wife is describing a problem they have with their friend. They don't know how to handle a certain situation of a friend that they have and how to deal with it. So the one who's listening hears this and responds back. Sounds like you're really upset with your friend and how she could be demanding or a little difficult. And it makes sense why you feel this way. So this, you know, when you listen to it, and you're not used to this, by the way, it sounds to some people who are listening, silly, babyish. It's not silly. It's not babyish. It is adult, mature conversation. This is the adult, mature, healthy, listening conversation. You validate by repeating in your own words. doesn't mean you're a therapist. You're just simply listening to your husband or wife to- talking, and you are there with them. You know they're being heard, and you're expressing that you're being heard. And, and that, that's the idea. And, and the key is also to not to be judgmental, not to be critical. Don't give advice now until your husband or wife asks for it. We explain this later. There's a, there's a point later where advice could be given. But the conversation, the key of it is, is to listen, to be respectful, to be understanding, to be empathetic. And it is hard for people to listen and to respond because it takes a lot of vulnerability. And a lot of openness. And every time there's vulnerability and openness, there's always a worry that you'll get hurt. But you, the risk has to come. And the other person who is listening to the, if you're listening to your wife or your husband being open and vulnerable, it's very important that you make them feel safe. And you share also your inner thoughts and feelings or fears. And the key behind all this is not a matter of right and wrong type of thing. Let's say you both have different ways of looking at things. So the goal is not to say, I'm right, you're wrong, you're right, I'm wrong, but rather, let's talk about this. Let's see where we are similar to each other and how we feel similar and how we feel different from each other. And we'll be empathetic and understand our differences as well. And the key is, is to bring with this deeper understanding that higher level of vulnerability, which shows acceptance and you show gratitude to one another for listening to each other. And again, it's not easy. Most of us are not born listeners. And in our generation, it's harder because we're so distracted by WhatsApps, by, by iPhones, by, by technology, and we have a shorter attention span. We could develop a... a, 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 a better t- attention span, which we need to do, especially in marriage. So it's, it, it takes some work. But without listening, intimate conversation is impossible. We could do what the last Shia talked about, the four intimate skills of, uh, skills of intimate conversation, but you don't listen, it's not going to work. There has to be a back and forth of listening and responding. How are you feeling? What do you need? How can I help you? What's your ideal dream of this situation. And let's say you find that right now you seem not to understand each other. Don't get into argument right now. Take a deep breath, calm down, or or take a little break from it. 
and 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 you try again. If things get a little too tense, you 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 change the subject. We'll talk later about situations. There will be a, a date regarding discussing disagreements, and we'll talk about that. But the idea be, behind these eight conversations, the tachlis of it, if you both decide in in the beginning, it's for the purpose of developing a deep, loyal friendship with one another, to become best friends, and to deeply love each other. That is really, really the key. And that, that you go with that mindset, and you'll be going in the right direction. So now we're going to discuss date number one. Date number one, he calls lean on me, which another word of it is called trust and commitment. And um, he, he brings down an interesting story, very fascinating story. Um, he brings two people that met at, compass, uh, at, in comp- uh, at a campus, rather, at University of Arizona, um, calls the man Ben, the lady Leah. Very interesting. And he was going out of his class. She was sitting on the steps waiting for her next class. He noticed her. Uh, I'm not saying this is the way Shaduchim is supposed to go in generally, but I'm just saying this is the way it went here. And he, he, he was telling them like this, you know, and they, they ended up obviously later getting married, but this is how they met. And she always had her head in her book. She never looked at me once, this Ben said. And if she had, uh, if she had, I would say hello, but she was always reading. And it went on for five weeks like that. And I knew everything about the top of her head and her shoes, and that's it. I didn't even know what she looked like or the color of her eyes, but I was pulled to her. And um, the way she was focusing, the way she was reading, I was curious about her. And she became a regular part of my re- a week. She had no idea that I existed even. And, and, and I noticed her just putting her head into the book, sitting by the steps for five weeks straight. And I tried bumping into her at once, and uh, and even then she just mumbled, it's okay, when he apologized, and didn't even look up. But he was thinking about her. Who is she? What's her name? What's she reading? And one day he decided enough was enough. He'll, he sat down next to her. He sat, and then the Leia, the, the, the woman, is saying like this. What happened was, he sat really close to me, too close. Shoulders were actually touching. I was reading a philosophy book. It was a dense, deep philosophy book. It's you know, and I was struggling with it. So I was annoyed at first. Who's who's this guy uh, um, being next to me like this? I lift my head up, and he had a big smile on his face, face, like we were long lost friends or something. And Ben remembers the way Leia looked. Uh, that and, and 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 he he responded, and and he was relating. I was so happy to see her whole face and her big brown eyes, and I forgot that I was a stranger to her. She wasn't a stranger to me. But she definitely looked annoyed at first. So he introduced himself, asked her what she was reading, and he said, I didn't want to blow my chance to talk to her. So I kept asking her questions. I didn't really give her a chance to end the conversation. And she wasn't rude at all, lucky for me. And we talked for 20 minutes until she had to go to class. And then that opened up the ice. And Leia said that for the rest of the semester, every class, before every class, they talked for 20 minutes about everything. He never asked her out. He never asked me out, she said. He never asked for my number. He just sat on the steps and asked about my life. It was kind of weird now that I think about it. Finally, I asked him out on a date, and I think that shocked him. And he relates, yes, she definitely startled me by 
by, by asking me out on a date? And I said, of course, yes. But here's the thing. I was already in love with her before our first date and before our first kiss and before anything physical. Now, again, I believe, like we talked about, there's a little bit of infatuation there. It's not really a, a, a deep love that comes after marriage, but put that aside for now. So he explains as follows. He was steady. He was always there. He was always smiling, asking me questions about my life. And one day I noticed, he noticed that I was cold. He gave me a sweatshirt. He didn't ask for it back before he left. And I can't explain it, but that little thing made me trust him. He made me feel in this weird way that I was safe. And I I didn't feel that way for a very long time. And we've been together almost five years. We're planning on getting married. And I don't think I ever trusted anyone more in my life. And all this had to do with those conversations on the steps. He always showed up for me, still always shows up for me. He notices when I need something. And even sometimes before I consciously know what I need. And he's my best friend and the love of my life. So what were they doing? So this, the reason I explained this whole story, and I was debating, usually I don't go through details like this, but the way I just described it, is what they actually went on when they were sitting on the steps talking about everything and anything about what's going on in their lives before class for all those for all those months was the trust and commitment date. This date, what we're talking about now. The lean on me, trust and commitment date. That's what it was. They discovered they had very different experiences on what commitment looked like. So for example... Leia said that for her, what the way she felt trust in Ben was the way how attentive he was. Because her parents were divorced and they were emotional wrecks. They didn't pay attention to me or how I interacted. She was tired all the time. She didn't take care of me emotionally. And once I was des- devastated because I didn't make the cheerleader team and she was nowhere to be found. She didn't give me any empathy and it's, it's a minor thing now, I see that, but it still hurt me. My dad wasn't around either. And books were my comfort. I lost myself in books. And, I, I, and trusting for me is following through and paying attention. And, and you know, that, that will you do what you say you will do. So that was Leia's idea of what trust meant. Ben, on the other hand, his parents were never divorced. And their commitment was all, they were religious about God and all that. They were together, their family were together. But, but they didn't, he noticed with his parents, they didn't really spend, the parents didn't spend, his mother and his father didn't spend time alone with each other much. Their, their, everything revolved around the kids or going to church. I guess they were Christian, their routine. And I remember watching them not talk to each other and thinking, I, I don't want to be like that with my wife when, when I get married. And he says it was pretty clear they were faithful. They were religious, so they were faithful to each other sexually. They didn't fool around. They were faithful to each other. But Ben said I, I, I wasn't really clear on how really committed they were to each other as people. You know, um, and, and, and his, he noticed his father used to look at other women at times, and he found that very disconcerting and, 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 and strange. And so, so that, that's the idea. And what is this commitment idea? Talking about this story, it's a choice we make every single day over and over again. It's a choice we make even when we are tired. 
It's a choice we make even if we feel overworked, even if we're stressed out. And it's a choice we made no matter how attractive another man or woman is that you happen to come across. We choose this every time our husband or wife makes a bid for attention. We want to show, you know, please listen to me. And we put down our book, or we look away, in his case, that's from the television, or even looking up from your safer, certainly up from your smartphone, and stop whatever is occupying you to acknowledge the importance of your husband or wife that's there in your life. Even just a smile, or sometimes a conversation, whatever it's called for, that we authentically try to deliver when our husband or wife wants catches our attention, they want our attention, we give them that attention. When we make our relationship a priority by showing that it's a priority, we build trust and we show loyalty far beyond any words that we said. And he, they found the Gottmans in their experimentation in the way they, when they went through couples and what made them thrive. And they, know, they realized, this is over 40 years of studies, that it's the small positive things done that make the most difference, that build that strong trust and safety in their relationship. So commitment, true commitment means, and we'll see how this goes about with the dates, but true commitment obviously means you're faithful to each other sexually and emotionally to just your husband, no other man, just your wife, no other woman, period. And we maintain boundaries in our relationship outside the marriage. And there's, he, he brings a, a, I didn't look up this, this book, it's someone, Dr. Shirley Grass, uh, Glass, wrote about infidelity, things like that. Wrote a book called Not Just Friends. But it boils down to the way he, she explains it, is that when you're married or committed to somebody, then you, you, you create a wall around the two of you, and there's an open window between you. There's a wall surrounding the two of you, protecting you from the outside. And there's a window, open window, that you're communicating between you. The wall around you and the wall around the two of you separates you from others in terms of the deepest emotions and physical connections. You realize you could connect with other people. That's great. Especially with your own gender and you have your own rabbeim or mentors and co-workers, and all that. But when it comes to the deepest emotional and physical connections, it's just you and your wife, you and your husband, and there is, a, there is something that separates everyone else from that category. They're not in that category. And what happens is, this Dr. Glass found in her research, how infidelity starts, is that people who initially are unhappy with their relationships, so again, the mistake is when you're unhappy, you deal with it in a healthy way, but what they do instead is they confide in another person about their relationship. And they're opening up a window to this outside person. Till now, you had a wall around the two of you with an open window between you and your husband, you and your wife. Now, by confiding in this person outside of the relationship, you're opening a window to this outside person. And when you keep that secret, that, that, that relationship secret, even if right now it's not sexual, it's just plain friendship or some emotional connection, what you're really doing now is you're building a wall between you and your husband, between you and your wife. That's what you're doing there. And that can't happen. You can't have those walls there if you want to sustain a long-term relationship, a lasting relationship of loyalty. 
and as windows to close friends. Now they say whether it's the same sex or the opposite sex. Of course, there's a difference between the two. But the idea is unhealthy reliance emotionally on, a, on someone outside. They become doorways and affairs unfortunately happen as a result. And you need to be aware of those boundaries. And it's a huge flag if one of you starts keeping secrets from the other about any new friendship that you may have. In the secular world with the opposite gender, but even with, with your own gender, you have to be careful. Be open. Because otherwise you're building a, a wall that disrupts your commitment to one another. Now the thing is, like we're going to explain, is that committing to another person people are terrified about. Even after they're married already, to go all in with one person is frightening for some people. It's a committed relationship. And basically, there's no, there, there's no safety net. You know, things don't go well. You have to work it out with each other. Now, Baruch Hashem, you could go to a healthy, objective, outside mentor that you both decide to go to. But the key really is, is that you are committed. You accept them who they are, despite their flaws. We're not talking about people who have serious, serious psychiatric problems that relate to abuse and things like that. We're putting that aside for now. Talking about people who have their flaws and you never threaten to leave even if you may want to leave you care about their pain as much as possible as if it's your own when your wife's in pain your world stops so I can listen to her this is what John Gottman said and that's the idea and we need each other, we are needed by each other, and we choose each other over and over and over again, day in and day out, day in and day out. That's what you're doing every day when you're going to shul and putting on talis and tefillin, you're telling the Rabbani Shloylam, I'm committed to you, day in and day out and day in and day out. And a man that goes to the shul, min shachras, mincha and mayrif, he's saying at Hashem, no matter what's going on in my day, and I may have made mistakes, and I have a long way to go, but I'm committed day in and day out. Day in and day out. And that is the idea. That's the idea. The idea is you don't make negative comparisons also to of our husband and wife with other real or imaginating, imaginative other alternate uh, partners. Doesn't exist, this fantasy partner. That's a dangerous way of dealing with negative feelings. So we're going to talk more uh, about this first date which is connected on to leaning on me, relying on each other, creating boundaries from the outside world, and trusting and committing to one another. And we'll continue, Bezaz Hashem, in the upcoming share.